0: couple of weeks. We'll see the book of Galatians, chapter six this morning. While you're turning, let me remind you that tonight, in the continuation of our preaching on the parables of Jesus, which we've been doing for several weeks, we come to the Pearl of Greatest Price, Parable of Jesus, tonight in the six o'clock service. I hope you'll be with us. We're going to have a good time in the Lord here tonight. This is St. Patrick's Day, you you know. I don't know what that means. I'm Irish, but um, I never knew anything much about St. Patrick. But we are even using green breath mints today to celebrate um, St. Patrick's Day. Be with us tonight on St. Patrick's Day for the evening service starting at 6 o'clock. And we'll have some good music in the ministry of the Word of God and a good time together here in the Lord. I will make an announcement to you this morning about the condition of my dear mother because many of you folks are so kind and gracious to ask and I know you would not all of you have time to ask. My mother is uh, still in the hospital where she's been now going on three weeks. Uh, We did not expect her to live this long I saw her, Joyce and I did, uh, last Tuesday night. We were there Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday night, Thursday morning to see her. And last Tuesday night, when I looked upon my mother's face, I did not expect her to live through the night. And yesterday she talked about going home for the first time. I mean going home to be with the Lord the first time she has talked about that uh, since she has been in the hospital, so we're just waiting, moment by moment, trusting the Lord about our mother, and we ask you to continue to pray for her. Now I want us to read this morning in Galatians chapter six, starting at verse ten, and we'll read to the end of the chapter. You know the book of Galatians is one of the most unusual books that Paul wrote, and one of the most unusual books in the in the New Testament. Uh, Paul when he wrote letters usually mentioned the names of friends in his salutation uh, of the letters. He had someone with him and he'd mentioned that name, the name of a friend in the salutation of his letters. Uh, this is not true of the book of Galatians. There are no friends mentioned in the opening of this book. Um, in this book, the book of Galatians, There's nothing said about the correction of Christian conduct. Uh, It's a book where Paul, as it were, has his fighting clothes on. And he defends in this book of Galatians what he declares so explicitly in the book of Romans. So if there's such a thing as a fighting book eh, that Paul wrote, it is this book. What a wonderful book it is. Galatians chapter two. 6 and verse 10, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. I almost wish that I had the time to stop and just park right here. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, do good unto everyone, but especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Christians ought to be good to one, one to another. And certainly all Christians ought to help those who are needy in any way, physically, spiritually, materially anyway, especially to them who are of the household of faith. You see how large a letter. I've written unto you with mine own hand. Paul usually had what was called an amanuensis. We would call that person today as secretary. And uh, the, such is not the case in the Galatian letter. He wrote it with his own hand, and he wrote it in large letters, evidently because of his poor eyesight. You see how large a letter. I have written unto you with mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature or a new creation. And as many as walk according to this rule, Peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And I would like for you to give careful attention, if you would, this morning to verse 17. "...from henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus." And I'm going to speak to you this morning from this expression, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. And I'm going to speak to you today for a few minutes on what I would call the marks of a true Christian. But the Apostle Paul said from henceforth, Let no man trouble me. The apostolic authority of the Apostle Paul was often brought in question. It's unbelievable to say but Paul had to prove over and over again to different people that he was truly an Apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are no Apostles today as they were in the Bible time. They're pastors, elders, There are teachers and evangelists, but there are no apostles. The marks of an apostle were were, that, first of all, they must have seen Jesus. They must have had an eye-to-eye confrontation with the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul had that after the death of Jesus. When the Lord appeared to him on the Damascus road and revealed himself in a great and white light unto him, and Paul truly was an apostle. And so he's saying here now henceforth, let no man trouble me about this matter of whether or not I'm an apostle. But I want to just leave that this morning and go on to this statement of the greatest Christian, I suppose, who ever lived. I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Now let me first of all say to you, that the Bible bears out the fact that people are monarched, that there are certain marks that really mean something. These marks upon people. I could never get away from the great incident, incident that took place after the resurrection of Jesus when He appeared to the disciples and showed them His hands and His feet. They were pierced hands and pierced feet. And he had a pierced side. Jesus had the marks of the cross. Thomas was absent on the first appearance on that Sunday night. And he said to the disciples during that week, I will not believe unless I see the marks in his hand and in his side. And so the next Sunday night, Jesus appeared again, Thomas being present. The Bible said, Jesus showed Him, the marks in his hand and his side and his feet. And Thomas gave that superlative testimony when he said, My Lord and my God, the marks upon the Lord Jesus identified him as the crucified and risen Christ. I'm saying to you that the Bible bears out this people, this matter about people being marked. You go to the very earliest part of the Bible when the first two brothers of the first family on earth came to worship one came as a fundamentalist the other came as a modernist Abel came with blood and offered the lamb which spoke of the Lamb of God and the Lord honored his sacrifice and honored his faith and accepted uh, Abel but Cain Cain came with the fruit of the ground, beautiful flowers, produce the earth had brought forth, but bloodless, and he was rejected. In anger, he slew his brother. Remember, there was murder in the first family that ever existed on earth. Shows the corruptness of man, the corruptness of the human heart. And God did not accept Cain's offering and Cain became like a vagabond to wander over the face of the earth. God knew that when people found out, Cain killed his own brother and killed him about religious matters, killed him because he had faith, and killed him because he believed in the blood of the coming Son of God. Now, God knew someone had killed Cain. So Genesis 4.15 tells us God put a mark upon Cain. God marked him. Here is the mark of an evil man. But God protected him. God established a law if anybody killed that man. That his life, capital punishment if you please, as is taught in the Bible. But God marked Cain. I see all through the Bible people are marked. I think of the book of Ezekiel. Where God is passing over the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. And God was punishing them for their sin. God always punishes sin. And God was punishing them for their sin. And in chapter 9 of the book of Ezekiel, I read where God said, Put a mark, put a mark on the men in Jerusalem. Put a mark on them that sigh and cry over the sins of the city of Jerusalem. Mark the men that really care. Mark the men who grieved about sin. Mark the men who want to rescue people out out of sin and get people right with God. So I'm saying to you, marks upon men is a thing set forth in the Bible. Here comes the greatest Christian, I guess, who ever lived. And Paul said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Now the word marks means uh, stigma, actually. I bear in my, my body the stigma, the marks of the Lord Jesus. Usually this stigma was brought about by some sort of a punctured wound. Paul no doubt had such wounds. He was so beaten at one time, he was left for dead. But as the the disciples stood about mourning his death, he arose to his feet. He's beaten so badly that many believe that when he wrote this letter and said, See how large a hand I've written, I've used in writing you, It's because he'd been beaten until he was almost blind. And so he said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Now I want to mention quickly this morning some of the marks that the Apostle Paul had. And I believe as they apply to you and I. First of all, Paul no doubt had the birthmark. He was a born again man. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 8, He spoke of Himself as one born out of due time. That is, He was not born again while Jesus walked the face of the earth. And He was born again before the nation of Israel would be converted in the last days. So He said, I was born as one out of due time. Paul had upon Him... The birthmark. I have heard more than once where birthmarks were ever so important for identification. Some child that's been stolen, some body that must be identified. Someone said there's one way to identify that person and that's by a certain birthmark. If it's there, this is the person. And let me say to you this morning that everyone must have the birthmark if they're going to get to heaven. There's no way into into heaven without being born again. And there's no way into the family of God without being born into it. The birthmark. And every Christian this morning ought to be sure you have the birthmark. You've been born into the family of God. A most religious man one time tried to talk to Jesus about spiritual things and compliment the Lord about what a great teacher he was. But Jesus said to that man, Nicodemus, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Paul had the birthmark. Oh, listen, friend. It matters not who you are. If you haven't been born again, if you do not have the new birth experience, you're not going to heaven. If you haven't been born again, you're one day closer to hell this morning than you've ever been before in all your life. A Christian has the birthmark. He's been born again. The Apostle Paul had another mark. He had what I call the watermark. Not only the birthmark, but Paul had the watermark. I mean by that, Paul had been baptized. Now a lot of people take it lightly. The Bible doesn't. Jesus didn't. I do not understand it all. I don't think any human being can. But Jesus is baptized. He wasn't baptized for the reason I was baptized. I was baptized because... I'd been a sinner lost and I became a sinner saved by the grace of God and the Bible taught that I should be baptized but when the Lord Jesus walked out in the River Jordan that day and was baptized of John the Baptist he was not baptized because he'd been saved because Jesus didn't need to be saved he was God he was the Savior but he was baptized. And I learned more from the baptism of Jesus than I can learn about baptism in all the rest of the Bible. I, I learn that it's a public confession. I learn the mode, it's by immersion. He waded out into the River Jordan. Why, if it were by some other mode, he could have been baptized anywhere there was a teacup full of water but he was baptized in the river Jordan. When people got saved on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2.41 says, they that gladly received his word were baptized. And Let me tell you, friend, you can be saved and go to heaven without being baptized. I think the thief on the cross did. But you can't be saved and alive this morning and disobedient to God About baptism, and be a happy Christian, and a Christian with the blessing of God upon you, because the Bible teaches that a Christian is to have the watermark. He's to be baptized. Paul had it. Acts nine, where his record of his conversion is given and explained. In verse eighteen, we read, "And Paul was baptized." Paul had the watermark. Oh, some folks take it so lightly. Just so I'm saved and going to heaven. Well, what do you think the Lord put all this teaching in the Bible for? Why do you think in the book of Acts, which is the manual on soul winning and church building and church evangelism and missions, why do you think over and over again you read of people being baptized? Baptized by water after they were saved on the day of Pentecost. Baptized was the Ethiopian eunuch in the 8th chapter of the book of Acts. Baptized was the apostle Paul in the ninth chapter of the book of Acts. Baptized was the household of Cornelius in the 10th chapter of the book of Acts. Baptized were the converts in the church at Antioch in chapter 11 of the book of Acts. Baptized was the jailer and his family in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. The watermark. Let me tell you, Christian, if you don't have the watermark, you're not a true witness and Christian as God wants you to be. I say you can get to heaven without baptism because baptism is not efficacious or saving. But you can't be an immediate Christian. And there's a many a stubborn Christian who says I'm saved That's all I care about. Any Christian ought to want to be baptized as the Bible teaches. I was saved in a church that believed that you could be sprinkled or you could be immersed. But when I uh, really came to know the Lord in 1935, I had no rest in my soul until I was baptized as the Bible teaches. I'd had the mode of baptism When I was age 11 and not saved and never was saved until I was 19 years old but I wanted the watermark I wanted to be able to say I've been baptized like the Bible teaches by the way there's only one mode of baptism the very word bapto baptizo means to immerse submerge put under cover over and there can only be it's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And there's only one mode of baptism that pictures death and burial and resurrection. And that's to be baptized by immersion, as the Bible teaches. Paul had the watermark. Paul had something else. He had the battle marks. Here in verse 17, he said, I bear in my body. The stigma, the stigmatized, the marks, the punctured wounds. I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Paul suffered. Paul was beaten. Oh, listen, I wonder this morning, do you and I really know whether we would suffer physical punishment or not for the cause of Christ? Do you really know that? I think of the sweet grandmother, some years ago, who got interested in the bus ministry. Her hair was white, she wore her bifocal glasses, she was in her seventies in Little Rock, Arkansas. And that grandmother began to go from house to house to try to solicit children to ride the bus. And a young woman, a cigarette smoking young woman, came to the door, cigarette in her mouth and in her hand. That won't send you to hell either, I always hasten to say. You can go to heaven and smoke and and go a lot quicker than you could go if you don't smoke. But anyhow, she came, this woman, uh, with a cigarette in her mouth, and here was this dear old grandmother. She knocked on the door, screen door, and the woman stood uh, in the screen door and said to her, "Uh, now let me understand, you're talking about the church where the bus comes and Picks up the children here every Sunday morning. Yes, yes, ma'am. That's it. And um, that's the church that tells boys and girls that by trusting Jesus, you can go to heaven.
1: And if you don't have Jesus, you're lost.
0: Yes, ma'am. That's the church. And you want my children to come? Yes, ma'am. That's why I'm here. That young woman opened that screen door and stepped out and slapped an old grandmother, to slapped her to the floor on the porch and broke her glasses all to pieces. And that precious old lady got up on her feet and picked up her broken glasses and her disheveled Bible and put it under her arm and smiled and said, I'm willing to take it for Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, Paul bore in his body the marks of the Lord Jesus. I think it meant Jesus had these puncture wounds. Nails, spikes, driven in his hands. I have them in my body. No one knows for sure what all these wounds were. We know that he described his suffering. He said he was beaten with stripes five times. He was beaten with a Roman cat of nine tails. That's forty strikes save one with this awful weapon, usually tied to a large piece of bone to use as a handle, planted leather thongs in which there were sharp pieces of metal rocks and anything that would cut. And thirty nine times victims were beaten. It was called scourging. Jesus was scourged. And um, the description of it In historical literature, shows that many times a person that was beaten with 39 stripes with a cat of nine tails, as it's called, their whole inward organs would be beaten from their bodies and fall in a bloody mess at the foot of the stake to which they were tied so they couldn't fall so they could continue to be beaten. Jesus suffered that. But scourging couldn't kill Jesus because Jesus came to die on the cross. Paul suffered all this. He said, I was in the deep, shipwrecked at sea, beaten in the jails, stoned at Lystra. said, I bear in my body the battle marks of the Lord Jesus. He bore another mark. He bore what I call the cross mark which means more than a cross around your neck or on the pel of your coat, and that's all right. I find no fault with it, but it means more than that. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but the life which I now live in the flesh, I live with the faith of the Son of God. I'm crucified with Christ. He bore the mark of the cross. And he said in this, this closing word of the book of Galatians, he said, God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. The marks of crucifixion were in the Lord, were in the Apostle Paul. They ought to be in every Christian. I'm crucified with Christ You know, there's something about crucified people. They're dead people, of course. But there's something about them. Uh, Crucified people never answer back. They're never bothered by what what they hear. They're never victims of an inflated ego. They feel no pressure about scandalous gossip. They never make remarks back. They're never revengeful. They never retaliate. Why? they dead! And God's Word teaches that a Christian is to be crucified with Christ. I close by saying, Paul had in him the death mark. Now Paul looked for the coming of the Lord. Make no question about it. Paul believed that the Lord could come in his lifetime. That's nearly 2,000 years ago. If He could have come then... He certainly could come now. Paul looked for the Lord. He said, Behold, I show unto you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We're not all going to die. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead in Christ shall be raised. He looked for the coming of the Lord but he prepared for his own going to be with the Lord. That's common sense. I look for the coming of the Lord. You as a Christian look for the coming of Christ. We look for the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we prepare for the inevitable. It's appointed unto man once to die, the Bible says, after that the judgment. Now I said Paul had upon him the death mark. I think Paul knew when he's going to die. I think he knew right close to the time, because the last thing he ever wrote was the fourth chapter of the second epistle of Timothy. And in that in that epistle, he said, "The time of my I'm now ready to be offered. I've fought a good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith." I'm now ready to be offered. I'm ready to die. You know, somehow God puts it in people's hearts. I think many times when they're going to be, I think of some dear people in this church who sat by a loved one's bedside. They'd been there many, many days, nights, as uh, all people must do and face. And they said to this dear man, very ill, "Now I will see you tomorrow. Said no. When you tell me goodbye tonight, and he was just as well then as he was the day before or days before. He'd been very, very sick for days. Said no, I won't see you tomorrow, for I'm going home tonight. And th- none of the loved ones believed him. They thought yeah, the Lord is going to take him. He was so sick, but they didn't believe he knew what he was talking about. He said, I, I, I'm going to tell you goodbye tonight. It'll be goodbye until I see you in heaven. said, I won't be here to talk to you tomorrow. Sure enough, that night, it just looked like the angels sent for him. God sent the angels for him as he did poor Lazarus and bore his soul into the presence of God. Paul said, The time of my departure is at hand. And let me tell you, friend, who knows this morning but what those words might be appropriate for your lips or mine. The time of my departure's hand. I'm now ready. I'm ready to be offered. I fought a good fight. i finished the course. I'm ready. And I want to ask you this morning, are you ready? Because all of us have the death mark upon us. Our shoulders are a little more stooped. Our eyes are a little weaker. The hearing is a little less acute. Uh, the body has upon it the marks of death. They set in from infancy and intensify to the grave. The death mark. Now listen carefully as we close. Friend, be sure you have the birthmark. Be sure you've been born again. If you have the birthmark, be sure you've been baptized scripturally by immersion in water after you're saved, not before, but after you become a Christian. Be sure you're willing to have a battle mark upon you as a Christian and the cross mark crucified with Christ and the death mark. You're ready whenever the Lord comes to take you home. Let us pray. Father in heaven, bless thy precious word this morning. And, oh, blessed Holy Spirit of God, do thy wonderful work in hearts. Lord, I pray that thou will uh, help people to be saved today that need to be saved. It's so horrible to be lost. Our poor minds cannot describe being lost. We cannot describe the horrors of hell, the length of eternity, The punishment of a guilty conscience in the fires of hell forever. Lord, we can't describe it. We have to ask you to make it known. We can't even describe like we'd like to how wonderful and beautiful it is to know the Lord. Oh, Spirit of God this morning, speak to hearts in this service. And may thy sweet will be done. Move upon lives. Make it a red-letter day in our lives this day. I pray in Jesus' name. Will you keep your heads bowed and eyes closed just a moment? Every head bowed and every eye closed. And I want every Christian this morning, I I, I want to just beg you, if that's what it takes, I want to beg you to do something. I want to beg you as a Christian. I want you to pray, please, right now, pray that not one lost man, a woman, boy, or girl will turn their back on the Lord and walk out of this church today unsaved, without Christ and without hope. Christian, I'm begging you, please, will you right now pray and talk to the Lord. Ask the Lord to move upon people's hearts. There some that need to be saved. There are some who've been saved and they need to come make a public confession of their faith. There may be some who.